Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, who's back in town after a bit of a hiatus. Two weeks, man. It felt like, a, did it feel like longer to you? It felt a lot longer than the 12 days that you were gone. Yeah. Just, just because there's so much happening week to week. Um, and when you're on the other side of the world, it, uh, my, my anxiety goes up a little bit. And so, yeah, it felt a lot, lot longer. Felt a lot longer. Do you like, how, did you have like Israel news alerts in your Google? <laughs> well, don't use Google, but, uh, but yes, some, some news alerts, some, uh, some Twitter alerts, some things to follow and track what is happening in Israel because it got Got a little feisty over there, and it's actually yeah. a lot worse now. But before we get into that, we do have another guest joining us today. Hey, it's our hey, student hey. pastor, Joel Kelly, is joining us. We're going to kind of catch up over the ne- over the past couple of weeks, past couple of Sundays, as we're going through the Believe series, wrapped up John chapter 8. Joel jumped into John chapter 9. We're going to talk about that. But yeah, while, while you were away, uh, we continued the series. But you were away because you took a, a team of 40 people, yeah, minimum, I think, at least. There's 40 of us, yeah. Over to the promised land. Yeah, and it was, um, th- right now, th- th- more than in the last decade, th- the violence is increasing as far as uh, suicide-type uh, attacks, terrorist attacks. <laughs> and Israel, you know, look, Israel's not screwing around. You, you know, so people don't know this, or a lot of people don't. Um, a guy, while we're there, a guy uh, drives over the curb. He kills three people. He is, uh, I think the word was neutralized, which I think means that they made his head into a canoe. There was a, an off-duty officer there with his gun and just made a, a, a breathing hole above his forehead. <laughs> he was decommissioned. Yeah. But what people don't know is that that guy, uh, his family now will get... Um, a thousand, almost a thousand dollars a month for the rest of their lives, uh, because he's a martyr. The the best estimates right now is somewhere around one point five billion dollars has been paid to families of terrorists from the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the PLO, which is funded by United States tax dollars. Oh boy, of course it is. So you know Israel's response to that is that's great. We're going to bulldoze your house. We're going to bulldoze your apartment. We're taking everything you know to, of your family stuff to you know do their best to try to you know de uh, uh, in, not to encourage them to do this. And of course you know the, the the problem with an ideology is you can't bomb an ideology out of somebody. On the other hand, you've got to make sure that they know that you're not screwing around. So it was happening while we were there, like multiple uh, incursions into, like we were supposed to be in Jericho. And I just thought, man, let's let's skip Jericho. I don't really have a good feeling about it. And the morning we were supposed to be in Jericho, Israeli defense forces were in there and they killed five or six terrorists man. doing sweeps through neighborhoods. Uh, so that, that, was, that turned out to be the right decision. Why has it escalated over the past few weeks and months? I mean, there's... Oh, For sure been a, a um, yeah. it's turned a corner a bit. So Netanyahu was reelected. And the way their government works is, you know, we get a president uh, and he, you know, the, the Congress, whatever we get. To, but they have to actually pick their ruling party has to get a big enough coalition of like different parties to agree on something to. So it's not just that you win the election. You also have to get enough people in the Knesset, their version of, you know, Senate and. Interesting. So for him to do that, he went way right. And so like their secretary of defense is this guy named Ben Gavir, who uh, is super orthodox and super not interested in a two-state solution and super, uh, he was actually having breakfast in the hotel that we were staying at. And our guide was like, oh my, do you know who that is? That's Ben Gavir. I was like, oh, I'm going to go talk to him. She's like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't. I'm like, well, of course I can. You know, I'm an American. So uh, it turns out you can go talk to him. He's just not going to talk back. So that was what she really meant was he's not interested. And uh, he, 
he kind of looked up from what I think was his BlackBerry. It was not an iPhone. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's some Israeli version of a BlackBerry. Interesting. And, uh, nice. But he's, anyway, he's super conservative. And uh, the policies that, that he is wanting to put in place is, is, on the one hand, you've got the Palestinian folks who are uh, rising up against this conservative, very, 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 very ultra-right-wing I don't, I, conservatives aren't even the right word, ultra right wing. And then on the other hand, they've got protests happening inside of Israel that are actually Israelis protesting the government because Netanyahu is in the middle of uh, changing their Supreme Court. So it'd be like, you know, Biden wants to put in, you know, an extra 10 Supreme Court justices, whatever, so that, you know, we can put more liberals in. Uh, Netanyahu's version of that is we're just going to strip the Supreme Court of its power. Um, and so Israelis are like, whoa, you know, so the, I think it was Saturday night. Uh, I don't know. One of the nights, oh, couldn't have been, that was Shabbat. Uh, some people on the trip had gone to a, a hummus class. Um, cause I guess. <laughs> that sounds about right. You need a hummus class. So you have to, In the you, middle of chaos. Yeah. You mush Let's up some, uh, some chick, hummus. chickpeas <laughs> and whatever. So that, but they walk out and, uh, right into the middle of, you know, I don't know, thousands of Israelis with, uh, Israeli flags protesting. Uh, Netanyahu. So he, he's between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, he's got Israelis that are freaking out about his policies. And on the other hand, he's got Palestinians, which are freaking out about his policies. It's a, it's a tinderbox. Like it's, um, it's, 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 it's kind of reminds me a little bit of the 1980s, 1990s, a little bit like just really yeah. unsettled over there. And at the same time, we're walking around, you know, uh, completely, you don't even know it. Like the Israelis, you know, as, as uh, my friend Zev Orenstein said, if, if every time uh, the, the missile sirens go off, we have to shut down life, we would never live. So literally these things are happening and kids are going to school, they're at the mall, they're having you know dinner at restaurants. You would never know that this stuff was going on. At the time of this recording, Wednesday, February 15th, um, before, roughly before noon, there's, there's currently a pretty massive fire in Jerusalem right now, right outside the Bakur Cholim Hospital. It's being reported um, right in the center of town. I mean, it's just every day there's something going on. Interesting. Yeah. There, there, I wonder what that is. That's not very far from where our hotel is. Yeah. So, yeah, lots going on over there. Thankfully, you you came back without incident, no problems. Some amazing things happened while you were there. Yeah. Um, tell us about well, some things you, you got to do, including well, maybe some... One of which, yeah, actually leads... This is going to be one of the best segues we'll ever have. Um <laughs> Because where John 8 and 9, specifically 9, but 8 and 9 took place, you know, on the, the road into Jerusalem, Pool of Siloam, um, has been... So the Pool of Siloam was discovered by accident. Somebody was building something and they're digging. And, you know, around here, a lot of times in Middle Tennessee, they find like Civil War era graves and, you know, you got to... There they could stumble onto the Pool of Siloam. That's so crazy. Which, That's so crazy. Right? Which they did. And the, the thing about the Pool of Siloam is if it, if it is the Pool of Siloam, then it connected to that should be a road that is very, very wide that leads all the way to the southern steps uh, of the old city of Jerusalem. And there is. And it's underneath a neighborhood. So it'd be like... Uh, what's wild. Like what's the what's West the Haven? West Haven, yeah. Underneath West Haven is like a Roman road, so they've literally been excavating it like a bucket at a time, you know, supporting it, you know, the, uh, with these metal beams and uh, in the uh, the city of David has called it the Pilgrim Pilgrimage Road or something like that. They've given it a name, um, but it's the road that the Jews would have taken to the feasts because they had to stop at the Pool of Siloam for ceremonial washing and. Pool of Siloam is half excavated right now. The other half will be because they've just acquired the land, which was a, an international incident just to get that land. And underneath of that then now is not open to the public, but we were able to, because of uh, a friend of mine who works for this organization, took us on this road that uh, is a, an active archaeological excavation. And it is 100% the road that Jesus walked on that Jesus healed the blind man on. So awesome. 
the, uh, there's this little, um, you can see where the shops were, but you can also see there's this one little st- uh, place that was a pedestal where people would have, the, the archaeologists think where people would have stood to uh, political ideas, you know, uh, preaching, you know, so it's 100% possible, probable that Jesus would have stood on that thing to preach, to teach from it. So we were, yeah, we were w- literally walking on this road, uh, and it's a very sobering uh, experience, but it, it takes, here's what it, it makes. It's not a matter of faith. It's a matter of fact. That is a fact that there was a man named Jesus. That is a mm-hmm. fact that this road, and we are walking on this fact, which is what archeological uh, history is. It, it does all the time proofs that Jesus Absolutely. That's who he said it was. And so, yeah, it was pretty cool to know. And, John, and Joel's literally about to, in fact, a bunch of the people that made it back by Saturday were like, man, we were just there. Yeah. We were literally just there. Yeah. So this past Sunday, we we started John chapter 9 as, as we're going through this teaching series through the book of John, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And uh, it happened to land right at chapter 9, um, the yeah. pool of Siloam that, that Joel got to to lead us through and it it talks about Jesus healing a a man that was born blind. And Joel, I thought you did a good job of, of, um, kind of tying in the, the literal and the the spiritual, meaning the man born blind and, and the healing that Jesus, um, gave this man, the miracle that took place. But it really speaks to a deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? yeah. And so maybe share just a little bit about that, the kind of your 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 points of, of darkness, light, truth, yeah. healing, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it in the sermon. It's just this concept that people miss often um, is that Jesus would use the physical to represent what he was teaching in the spiritual. Um, and in the case of John 9, it's this man born in darkness, this that he's blind, like he can't see, obviously, um, and that the claim he makes yet again before his disciples on his way out of the temple um, is, I'm the light of the world. Let me, let me show you how I am the light of the world. And so he heals what is uh, a physical representation of spiritual blindness uh, in the miraculous sense um, by giving him his sight, right? And this, the sight is really the symbol of I see now the truth of who you are, right? And that's the moment of regeneration in a, in a conversion, right? And is the ability that the Holy Spirit, right? And John, shoot, six, when, no, it's not John six, John three, with the conversation with Nicodemus, what you spoke about. Yeah, chapter three. How the spirit, there's a, a birthing of the spirit, right? There's this regeneration that has to happen in order for us to accept or see the truth. Um, and so really that's the representation of what's happening, right? It's interesting because the end of John chapter eight, so the beginning of John chapter eight, Darren taught a few weeks ago, right before he left about Jesus saying he is the light of the world. That's the first half. The back half of chapter eight, he um, explains and declares that he is the truth. Mm-hmm to know the truth, to, to understand that he is truth, um, which ends up in this little, little fuss between him and the Pharisees about yeah. understanding what that really means. Mm-hmm. They did not want to believe it or accept that he was who he said he was, which ends in, you know, them throwing stones at him. Yeah. So he leaves and the first thing that he does, he heads out of the temple heads right into this area and performs a miracle to show that he is the light and the truth and uses the miracle to declare those two things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not to jump the gun too, but it like in, in the last part of John nine and there's another run in with the Pharisees, right? We're yeah. about to enter into another conversation and Jesus compares the blindness of the religious leaders to the sight of the blind man, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's profound. So one of the questions I have for you, Darren, coming out of this, having you you have a, a good friend that is that is a Jew. You guys broke bread while you were there. 
Um, he's not a messianic Jew. Nope. Right. So, so I guess we could put him in this category of an unbelieving Jew, um, similar to what kind of the Pharisees are, are saying here in this passage. So all these years later, 2000 years later, um, what's the, the main, the primary obstacle for your friend to come to know Christ? It's a good question. Yeah. Well, and, and, and he is a friend, right? I, I don't know if Zev listens uh, to this uh, podcast or not. Um, and so it would be great actually to, you know, ask him that question. But there's, I think there's two things to, to consider when you have that conversation. One is that there's a very specific version of Messiah in the Old Testament that is a conquering king. Mm-hmm. And there is a very specific version of the suffering servant. In fact, there's um you can find this right now on I think it's on YouTube and it's I, th- I, can't, I think it might be called the Isaiah 53 project and all it is is a guy uh, they, they have Jewish people read Isaiah 53 um which is speaks of the suffering servant. And they for most of them is the first time in their life they've ever read it. Um, and by the way, during COVID, uh, when Israel went hard, hard lockdown, that the, those YouTube videos skyrocketed in views, uh, tens of millions of views. Um, but, but the point is, is that if you're a Jewish person, you, you're waiting for the guy to come in with a can of whoop God and a sword and mm-hmm. to literally rule the world. Absolutely. And, and so, the, you know, for them, is it the question of, is, it, is there two different people? Or, or the, which is what we as Christians would believe is, no, they're the same person, that the suffering servant and the conquering king are both Jesus. But he, you know, his work isn't finished yet. So for them, you know, honestly, the biggest hangup is, well, he got killed, so it didn't work. Mm. Now, that's one, that's a, the logical side. On the other hand, is Romans 9, 10, and 11, that they are blinded for your... Uh, sake so that we as Christians, uh, part of our role is that, you know, to have such a love for God and even for the land. It is so, so, so to provoke them to it. So it's if you if you skip that, it's why Martin Luther spent the last half of his life as a raging anti-Semite. Is that they didn't believe, and in his mind there was a there was a, a leap that he took into anti-Semitism, which is why I hate replacement theology. It's damnable. Because it, the, the logical conclusion of, uh, of, of replacement theology is uh, anti-Semitism. Replacement theology means that Israel no longer matters to God and Christians have now replaced Israel. Um, and Israel is a land and a nation is all metaphor and we all are, you know. Mm-hmm. That, but you, I, to do that, you have to literally forget about Romans 9, 10, and 11 yep. to, to, to get there. And so the, some of it is, yeah, they're, they're blinded to that. And then some of my reformed friends especially would say that the faith, even the faith to believe that what we believe is actually given by God to begin with. So we can't even take credit for our own faith to believe because of that. And so, you know, on a, on a purely logical standpoint, a guy like Zev is looking at uh, the, the prophets and saying that he, he got killed so it didn't work. And then on a spiritual level, you're looking at it going, um, but that is God's way. Of, uh, of, again, provoking uh, Jewish people, Gentiles are now into it. It's why Paul, you know, uh, one of the things that made Paul the most angry, or the people most angry at Paul, was that he was going to the Gentiles, that it was for the Gentiles. This was, for Jewish people, that is anathema to them, that, it's, um, that it was anybody but the Jewish people uh, for them. And so, yeah, a guy, you know, like Zev, who spent most of his life, he didn't even know a Christian, uh, in his, he lived, he grew up in New York, Jersey. And, and now the irony is that he spends all of his time with, you know, yeah, who's like me, um, <laughs> because we continually be the ones bringing people to the land, you know, uh, to, you know, for the to city of David. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it, 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 it's a confusing thing for people like that. Like, what is it that we have? I say confusing. And then, you know, there's a hesitancy too, that is well-earned because, because of Martin Luther, because of the Crusades, because there's there's this legitimate little hesitation because of what people have done in the name of Christ, 
that was not Christ-like specifically to Jewish people. Now, while you were there, also a major earthquake happened. Yeah. Um, how many miles north would was is Turkey from from Israel? I, I mean, mean, like how far away was that? So you know, to the immediate north is Lebanon and Syria. In fact, mm -hmm. we uh, in the Golan Heights, you can look literally throw a rock into Syria, <laughs> uh, and then uh, directly north of that is um, is Turkey yeah. and Syria. And this earthquake hit Turkey, Turkey and Syria, like in the southeastern yeah. portion. So you know, as the crow flies, it, it probably would be about a five-hour drive. Okay, so but on, on a U.S. highway, I should say, it'd be yeah. a lot longer <laughs> on those highways. That's true. That's true. Yeah, as a crow flies, yeah, probably like like here to Cincinnati. Yeah. And so it would be like having, or here to St. Louis, it would be like having a, an earthquake in St. Louis and Nashville feeling it, because mm -hmm. you guys did feel a little bit of, of that rumble from an 8.1 Richter scale earthquake. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, I've, I'm, I've felt it, but I only felt it because I was... Uh, I was sitting on the toilet reading <laughs> in the middle of the night. The old TMI. I was well. No, it's actually not TMI because I wasn't actually going to the bathroom. It's literally the only place I could find where I could read with the light on without waking up my wife. Okay. And so been there, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course, Joel knows. Lock himself in a closet. <laughs> Get away from that. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm I'm reading and I'm and I, I think it, the first time I'm thinking is. Are my legs spasming because I've been sitting here too long? Right. <laughs> and then it was like that's a that spasm's going a long time. And then I'm like, oh no, that's I think that's an earthquake. Wow. And then interesting. Woke up. I went back to bed. Eventually, woke up a few hours later with the, the news that oh yeah, that in fact was a very bad earthquake and just for, just north of us. Yeah, and we we have um, is so do we have some partners up that way that are helping? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that are in that region, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, we've. I think uh, as of this morning, we've we've invested already twenty thousand dollars, and that's the, that's a down payment on what's gonna yeah. what we're gonna do there. But between Fouad Masri, yeah. with Crescent Project, and then Grady Pickett, man, he's yeah. in, uh, on the other side of uh, Iraq. They felt it in Erbil. Wow. Uh, he has lots of relationships inside of Turkey, so they're they're coming at it. One's coming in from the Lebanon side, and the other's coming in from the, so the, the Kurdish side. It's awesome. And, you know, it's complicated uh, because where the earthquake was centered in area-wise is one of the most contested places in the Middle East, which is between the Kurds, the Syrians, Turkish, the Ottomans, I guess is how they would prefer. So uh, much of what we have heard about as, as far as war uh, in the last few years is actually right where this earthquake hit in those cities in Syria. Yeah, I mean, there's, there is quite a bit of geopolitical tension happening in that region um specifically within turkey mm -hmm. there are some that believe that that wasn't a natural earthquake yeah. Uh, yeah. and an 8.1 or 9 8.1 okay if someone has figured out how to make an 8.1 earthquake we got yeah. way bigger oh, problems yeah. oh my word that's so large um which yeah <laughs> does the tech does exist and which is why there's there's so much talk about it there are even some reports of some Turkish officials suggesting this now as well. Wait, wait, no wait, way. wait, back up. So the tech exists for an 8.1 earthquake? Absolutely. What is this tech? Like a nuclear bomb? No, it's, uh, it's, it's light waves. It's um, something called HAARP, H-A-A-R-P. Y'all are welcome to research it. We're about to go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> you have entered into it. Um, these stations exist all over the world, specifically in military um, sites. Um, nation states have used them. They can modify weather. You can modify tectonics. It exists. It's Whoa. out there. It's a, it's a, it can be used in, in military for military uses. One of the kind of the um, smoking guns to this idea being suggested is twofold. One, Turkey had a lot to say about NATO and um, what was it, Sweden not joining in uh, to, to NATO in this past couple weeks because of everything that's happening in Russia. Like I said, this has broad sweeping geopolitical. Um, oh, yeah. There's there's just a lot happening here. And so because Turkey and Sweden are not on the same page, 
along with NATO. 24 to 36 hours before the earthquake happened, nine embassies closed and requested their people to leave. So that in of itself is causing some suspicion as to what really happened there. <laughs> well, it, and if you're Erdogan, president of Turkey, election coming up, it behooves him to make himself uh, the victim of an attack that he can now be the guy that's got to you know, rise up and rally around. Rally around. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, so, I, so I'm familiar with HARP. And it's radio transmitters or signals, but to be able to create an 8.1 earthquake, I don't know that I'm there. Like, I don't know, I don't know how. Oh, it's wild. Unless there's Nephilim under the ground, like <laughs> hammering from the bottom. Oh, it's wild. And you go down this rabbit hole of, uh, of harp technology and, and the ability to, to impact tectonics. It's, it's pretty eye-opening. Is it to prevent earthquakes, and they can use it? No, it's not designed at all for that. Like it's, I mean, like uh, that's. Uh, I mean, I, it's just God only knows what it's designed for. Because I trust NATO as about as much as the UN, which yeah. is to say, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, absolutely. There's like and, all kinds of implications here. And I'm not even suggesting that they don't do it. Uh, that they wouldn't do it if they had the technology. Like I, but. Yeah, it's wild. So, the, so like I said, in the past 24 hours, a couple of Turkish officials have alluded to the fact in questioning what's actually going on or what had happened. And so there's, there's more to be figured out because the fact of the matter is tens of thousands of people yeah. have died. I think the number um, reported yesterday was 30,000 plus. It's at 34,000 as of this morning, and okay. that's going to keep going up. Yeah. Having had some experience in this type of a, uh, earthquake in Haiti, um, I, I don't think it'll hit two hundred thousand by any means. But I think wow. I think it's going to be closer to fifty to sixty thousand when it's all said and done. That was the Haiti number, two hundred thousand. Yeah. Wow. Two hundred and ten thousand. Unbelievable. In a country of eight million, I mean, it was it just wiped out an enormous swath of the population. And you know, the thing here's what I do know. Um, whether or not, you know, Dr. Evil and Harp, right, are behind the scenes in it. The biblical lens that Jesus gave from the Mount of Olives, if I remember right, on Matthew 24 and 25, which we also were standing on, is that uh, we will never know, we will not know the day or the hour, but we'll know the seasons, right? We'll know right. just when the leaves are changing. And the, the leaves changing are leaves of earthquakes mm -hmm. in diverse places wars and rumors of wars and you know the context of which jesus goes on to say in matthew 25 if you've done it for the least of these brothers of mine you've done it unto me was in that same sermon and in he's specifically talking to christians to jesus people in an end times context saying you know did you visit me while i was in prison did you feed me when i was hungry and clothe me when i was naked wars rumors of wars earthquakes like what we're doing is 100% uh, biblical prophecy coming to life. The money that we're investing is not just humanitarian. It's Jesus stuff. Like saying these churches over there, there's going to be more of that. And we have an opportunity as a church right now, so far in a place where we've not experienced that, but we don't have to sit on the outside looking in. We get to dive right into the middle of it and be... So that when Jesus says, "Did you know? We, when did when did we see you naked? When did we see you, you know, in prison? Um, when you've done it for the least of these brothers of mine, like we will get to say yes as conduit church. We get to say, yeah, we did do that. We we were in the middle of it. We didn't withdraw. We weren't like the churches uh, in Germany who just turned and sang louder while the you know, the cattle cars drove by. We were in it, and and we will be in it uh, until his return." And th that's the hope of it is that it's, you know, I've heard it say um, that we, when we say things are falling apart, it's not entirely accurate. It's just things are falling into place. It's good. Yeah. I mean, you can't read Matthew 24 and 25 right now and, and, and think or wonder, wow, like we are, <laughs> we are at the doorstep In the middle of, of, it. of many of these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Joel alluded a little bit to some of this culturally that we're experiencing here in America. Oh, yeah. Um, that's been played out uh, 
over several award shows of late, specifically the Grammys, the Super Bowl halftime yeah. show. Yeah, what the heck, dude? I go away for like two <laughs> weeks and you guys put Sam Smith in like a oh boy. A devil drag costume or I'm not even sure what that was. Yeah. It was, it so, was yeah. yeah. I mean Hey, does he have like they pronouns? Because I correct. he's there, oh, yeah. God, that's hilarious. I'm reading these articles going, who who are they? Like well, it was just to him. And then I was like, oh, he must have a pronoun thing going on here. Yeah, no, it's it's all the way everything you would think. Um, and so, yeah, Joel touched on this, kind of the, the darkness in, in which our culture is existing. Um, and yeah, so I mean, <laughs> diving into that. Yeah, that, that CBS, was it a CBS tweet that you shared? Are you yeah. ready to worship? Are you ready to like, worship? Oh, man, I got chills. Uh, yeah, and Mo's actually the one that shared that uh, tweet with me because I, I was wrestling through the text and it was just like, you know... That was all over the news the entire week prior. Um, it's been on Tucker Carlson. He's had a lot to say about it. Um, but even with like questions with teenagers, it was just been like, this song is awesome. Sam Smith is like, he seems like he's a good guy. And then he does this. And, in the, and the song is not even about any of that. It's just the performance of it. Um, and so really it was just like wrestling through the Texas and understanding the darkness of this world, because the point of John nine, or at least the beginning of it was the statement that, you know, uh, I'm the light of the world, but the darkness exists for the glory of the God or glory of God, uh, verse, uh, five, I believe it is. Um, and so it's just like, we can see the brokenness. We can see the suffering. It's something that we feel. It's it's John or it's Romans eight too. It's like in Romans eight, he speaks of the the earth is groaning for the like for yeah. Christ. That that even the effects of sin have affected the earth, and so it's really pulling out that darkness in our culture's context is is understanding like this is this is what sin does, and as believers, we shouldn't be shocked by the sin, but to understand that and to love people through the darkness yeah. and love them in a way that Jesus would have loved them. Um, Cause that's the conversation I keep having with teenagers is like, I don't know how to engage in this culture almost anymore um, because we are, we're crazy <laughs> as Christians. We're, we're crazy to the, to the world. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, we are now what the culture in the world would say is radical. Yeah. It's flipped. Um, and so really diving into that and understanding like the attack on truth, the attack on uh, the world is, is what the Bible has predicted. Yeah. I mean, well, it was G wait, spoiler alert. Jesus will say this soon in John, right? Is that they hated me. Now mm -hmm. they're going to hate you. Exactly. Um, and when you think about it in just terms of the madness, have Christians done some dumb things have some let me rephrase it have some christians done some things that were not absolutely represented yeah. absolutely right but by and large when you look at christianity to go back to tom holland's book dominion it was christianity that invented hospitals right we the, the very moral fabric that we say that humans have are all created equal that is not something made up out of thin air and it's not immediately obvious it is actually not scientific even it's a christian idea mm-hmm so, so the madness of saying side by side, again, I just came from Israel. Uh, and when you hear uh, someone like uh, Cortez, AOC, talk about, you know, Christians, because, I mean, she, the, the, um, the what were they, uh, the commercials that were just on the Super Bowl that uh, he gets us commercials. And Cortez is like, you know, just blasting these commercials about Christianity and this, while simultaneously uh, upholding Islam. Um, uh, it, there's nothing that she would ever say negative about Islam and by her very own standards it's madness because if you are uh, if you are a gay person in the West Bank or in Gaza it's a crime oh absolutely like 100% a crime they're not wearing head coverings for cultural reasons there they're wearing them because they're forced to wear them these the women there are not equal in Islam so, so it's literally madness. It's a, a satanic idea. So it's appropriate that Sam dressed up as, you know, the yeah, and to Dante's the, the devil. To the Tucker, Tucker Carlson thing, uh, there's an interview that he has. I forget with what her name is or he's name or, is, or she, whatever. Um, uh, but the question he poses is like, so in an, in, an, in an interview, which I'd have to go find, Sam says, Smith basically says that 
the only reason he did that was basically to serve as a big screw you to Christians hmm. um, to say that you've tried to put me into a box that I don't fit into. But in the interview with Tucker Carlson, what he says is like, why are, why is Hollywood? Why is mainstream media so comfortable with attacking Christianity yet to any other religion? They would never do that. Never do that. They would never cross that line. No. And to wit, right now in Turkey, in Syria, you're not going to find Saudi Arabia, literally billionaire countries, okay? Billionaires, multi by trillionaires probably. There's not going to be a Saudi Arabian force there helping do relief work. The UAE is not sending in teams. But man, the Christians are going to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're, they're already there. They're, that, you know, they have the ability to ramp up. And so it is a madness. It's, it's, it's on the one hand... It it feels new to us in Western culture because for the most part, it's only in the last few years that we've begun to really experience the outward, just absolute loathing of Christianity. But throughout history, since Jesus, since John chapter 8 and 9, the the Pharisees, they hated him. They weren't just disappointed in him. They hated him, hate him. That is a thread to today because at the end of the day, Satan, whatever conspiracies are out there, there is one conspiracy that has been since Genesis 3, verse 15, when Jesus was prophesied that her seed will crush his head. And in that first generation, right, Cain kills Abel. Satan's immediately trying to crush, to kill the bloodline of Jesus. The, the Jewish people throughout history have been the most persecuted, marginalized, murdered, genocided people in history. Because if on the front side of this, if Satan could stop uh, Christ from being born to begin with Messiah, he could defeat God's plan. And now, post-Jesus, Jesus is coming back, his prophecies, to a literal Mount of Olives, to a literal land, to a literal Jerusalem. If he can wipe out Christians, if he can wipe out Judaism specifically and Jerusalem, I mean, those southern steps that I'm talking about, where the pool of Siloam walks right up to the southern steps into the temple, is the Al-Aqsa Mosque. It, that, that's on the other side of the wall now. If you were to open a door on where those southern steps are that lead from the pool of Siloam, open a door under the wall, you walk right into an Islamic mosque that's been there for a few hundred years now. Wow. Mocking God from there. And so uh, the hatred is real and we, uh, we probably better get used to it and we probably better figure out how to, um, how to live. So like when you see one of the things we can't do 100%, we cannot do is what Andy Stanley is doing right now, which is to say, Hey, these things that make the world uncomfortable in the old Testament, well, we just need to unhitch from, from that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's not popular right now with what the Bible says about sexuality. So we have to adapt to a modern version of it. Um, he calls them clobber passages. Yeah. I, I, that just drives me. It really frustrates me when he says that. (laughs) Well, yeah. And because it's like to use it that way is it's an, it's actually playing right into the hand of the enemy, which is to, uh, position Christianity as a hateful yeah. thing as opposed to what Joel is saying, which is Christ's commands for us are not uh, burdensome. They're not, uh, they're not even arbitrary or capricious mm-hmm. when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to masculinity yeah. and femininity. That's how the world works right now. And to Andy Stan, it's like, I don't want to go there, but um, he might as well. it, it's, it's unfathomable to me that Christians today they attack the law of God. But here's the thing is Jesus didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled the law. Yeah. And the whole thing Paul goes after in Romans when he's talking to both Jews and Gentiles is to say, hey, look, this law has been fulfilled. You are no longer under this old covenant that we were placed before because Jesus has fulfilled that covenant. But the law still serves as a mirror. It serves as this thing that we can look and see our need of Jesus. That's right. That righteousness is the requirement for salvation. Righteousness is the requirement to be in heaven. And that's why he says, 
if you have no sin, go ahead, go to heaven, right? You're good. But that's not any man. And so this, this law is that, that glimpse into the soul and the need of righteousness. And the only righteousness that can be attributed to us is through grace. It's through Jesus. He did that. And so it's like, if we do away with the law, then we're going to do away with our need of salvation, yeah. which is universalism. And his law, the designer is the definer. He gets mm-hmm. to say, and again, not arbitrary or capricious, literally yesterday, New York Times, that uh, adolescent, this is teen girls report, high record levels of sadness CDC finds. The only group that's higher than just females are those who identify as gay or bisexual. They are the highest level of sadness, depression, uh, anxiety in teenagers, according to a CDC story, is those who are, quote unquote, identifying as gay or or bisexual. And the number, uh, which is somewhere in here, the percentage of kids right now that are uh, identifying as bisexual is astronomically high. Because, you know, like five minutes ago, we didn't really know it was an option and so now they get to choose either one. So what if I choose the wrong one? I get to choose both. It's 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 not the and, it, and it's funny because they of course they're gonna uh, they're gonna frame this as because they're being persecuted, they're being marginalized, and because of that, they're they're suffering from depression, they're suffering from anxiety. Absolutely, it has never been more popular to be gay or bisexual. It is that you are guaranteed to get? Uh, I mean, yeah, let's just say it. Nobody's listening to this podcast anyway. Amy Grant. A dear, dear woman, uh, kind and lovely human being, and many of my friends work with her, have worked with her, and the only reason she was given a Kennedy senator honor in the last year that a Christian artist would have been is that she has taken a stance recently that um, that the the only thing of Jesus is to love, and you know, if uh, she hosted a a gay wedding on her property, because point is, is she's getting a Kennedy honor because suddenly she's uh, she's confirming a narrative that they wanted her to confirm, and you know, God bless her and her kindness and her heart, and 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 to say that if uh, if you're depressed right now because you're being marginalized. You're not paying attention. Like you, I don't know. Is there? I mean, I've I canceled my Netflix, but it, you know, is there a Netflix new series that doesn't have a gay, you know, kid in it or a gay? Like it's never been more accepted and never been more popular. So that can't be the reason why that they are experiencing high levels of record levels of sadness and depression and anxiety. What can be is that they're violating the very design of how they were created to be, and it's not a, egregious and, and harsh to say that. Uh, that's not how God made you to be. It's not your design. You're, you're, de- you're depressed and you're anxious because you're looking inside of you trying to find some meaning and purpose that isn't there that God can give you from outside. Uh, and, I mean, you take Jesus out of the conversation. Like, those, those things all sound good to find identity, to find yeah. purpose, to find hope. And it, there's a conversation, I forget what podcast it was on, but it was, the guy was basically explaining, like, you know, if you look at it in the eternal sense, there's two options, the road to life, the road to death. But the comparison between the two is kind of scary because of the devil's plan, right? And if you look at the road to life, what Jesus has called us to is it almost feels like as we are pursuing Jesus into eternity, um, our life is filled with many deaths. It's wow. In the cult, say, that, say in, that again. That's really strong. That our life is filled, like on our road to eternity with Jesus, our life is filled with many deaths, meaning he has called us above mm. reproach, above what culture has defined as fun, as, as enjoyable. And it's like you feel like you're dying along the way. Mm. But on the opposite side, the road to death, it feels like bursts of life. Yeah. Whereas I found my identity. I found who I am. I'm doing this sexual thing. I'm doing, you know, you know, even alcoholism. Like all these yeah. things are fun. They're enjoyable for a season. But it's bursts of life on the road to death hmm. versus bursts of death on the road, road to, to life. life. That's really strong. Which is the I mean the promise of Jesus right is life and life more abundant. Mm-hmm. And to do that there are parts of me that have had to die along the way. Exactly. And, you know, the thing that sometimes I look back at 
why I look back, I'm 52. I, I still do things that I'm like, man, it's, it's like, I, I'm so grateful for Romans chapter six and seven or seven <laughs> specifically. Why do I do the things I don't want to <laughs> do? You know, because even at 52, you're thinking, okay, I should have this figured out by now, but there's still things that I I'm doing. that I'm like, you know what? In the words of the great Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you, Darren? Like not great. No. And, and every time it's one of those things, it's a, it's a violation of God's design, God's law that Jesus did not abolish, but came to fulfill. And so when a guy like Andy Stanley is trying to rewrite scripture to fit a modern narrative, what he's writing is a, a narrative that didn't even exist, an ideology that didn't even exist 20 to 30 years ago. And just because it's considered culturally normal now, uh, d- d- doesn't make it right. And the numbers keep literally keep proving over and over and over again that it's not, yeah. that it's not right. These, the, the CDC is confirming that that is a terrible idea to tell a bunch of kids, choose whatever way you want to be sexually because it, it did switch I, when i was in uh, high school there was born this i was born this way i can't help it this is how i was born and they will still say that while simultaneously saying and also um, you get a pick you get a pick so the, the narrative has switched uh I, ju- the way. I just can't wait till gender reveals happen at 30 instead of when you're in the womb <laughs> oh um, everyone come to my house i'm having a gender reveal okay, i'm that, a boy okay that's actually really sad and hilarious <laughs> like i'm gonna pop the balloon <laughs> I'm a boy. <laughs> and that's what's funny is like one of the most popular tr- videos is the gender reveal. You know, it's they, they all go viral. And then, that's true, bro. By the way, we didn't do that when yeah. I was, you know, y'all are, I mean, you got to do baby moons. You got to do the gender reveal. It makes have you heard a of, lot of work. Have you heard of the push present? What? This is a thing. I actually have heard of this. Where you are supposed to now give your wife after she has a baby a push present for, for birthing the child. Wow. Yes. So many things. Yeah. The work that goes into having a baby now, but, <laughs> but you're right, man. The gender reveal is a part of the party now. And you know, if you were to, you know, believe what's being put on by progressive, uh, ideas right now is that, uh, that you're, you're wasting your balloons at that point and your, yeah. your, your blue powder, like, you know, wait till they, let's yeah. wait till they decide that they're in a professional sport and not doing very good. And then they get to decide if they're going to be a different gender, you know, oh gosh, uh, that's yeah. your gender reveal. Cultural blindness, <laughs> cultural darkness is, is what is presented here in the beginning of chapter nine, which leads to his eyes being uncovered and he can start to see some things. And I think it's fair to say that over the past three years now, we're in year three of uh, pandemic era, which will, it will probably be deemed as I think some spiritual eyes have um, opened yep. and some have remained closed, mm-hmm. but I think there's, there's a remnant awakening, right. That are starting to open their eyes and seeing the world for what it is. Um, for the darkness that does persist, there is a, a remnant of light seekers amongst us. Mm. Um, and you know, that can cover a range of topics, right? Not only our, our own spirituality and our own, and our own hearts on what we put our hope in, um, but there's there's this there's this wave of folks opening their eyes to the things that are happening across the world, right? Yeah. And, and even to the point of looking to the skies and seeing things that are floating. Oh my word! Across our our skies, um, which are balloons, or are they? This is not an alien podcast. Can it be? But the past week, the, the 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 search term alien and UFO is through the roof. Technically, unidentified flying objects. The new phrase, they're actually changing UFO to UAP, unidentified aerial phenomenon, is the now correct phrase, correct word. UFO sounds better. Right. They're going to have a hard time changing that one. <laughs> it's, I mean, you know, it's like an artist changing their name. Like, it takes a little bit for it to catch on, but... Uh, UAPs. I don't think anyone's going to buy into that one. Right. And so, because there's been so much happening in our world, and just in the U.S., in the past seven to ten days... Oh my, it's everywhere. Um, people are on edge. 
people are asking questions like what is happening right and there's there's a there's a lot happening in the world there is a lot happening um and perhaps a lot of them tied together we don't know but the things that are falling out of the sky um is is nothing new i'll just maybe we'll address it really quickly um a lot of these are balloons these are surveillance balloons these are tech balloons you know for all the technology that we have um, balloons actually work really well. It's a technology that the government has used for the past 65 years uh, to spy on other countries, and other countries have used them to spy on us for a very long time. So balloon technology is nothing new. Just <laughs> Balloon and technology in the same sentence. Yeah, <laughs> it just, makes me... <laughs> we're like a gender reveal balloon. Right. Uh, Maybe this is there? the... Yeah, th- this the is the country's gender reveal party. <laughs> when they popped that one over China, <laughs> like, it was like white. Oh, was, what did that mean? It was a white balloon. The point being is we're just now starting to notice them. And NORAD, you know, shot three down in the past week. It's the first time in 65 years that they've ever shot anything down. That's crazy. Um, which is pretty wild. Part of that is they've changed their parameters. Um, their, their sonar, their, um, their, 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 their radars, all of that. They've started to tighten them up a little bit, and so more things are popping up, which no is pun, a little frightening. No, no pun intended, or was that intended? <laughs> popping, popping up. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's. I want to maybe settle those folks that may be listening to think that you know, there's UFOs flying around everywhere with little aliens in them. Um, I'm completely not convinced that that's what's going on at all, that these are these are nation-state balloon surveillance. Yeah, there's no way we'd be shooting yeah. them out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, the truth is actually a lot scarier than a UFO. I kind of wished it was. Yeah. Right because the truth is, is the reason that they've been doing this with impunity is our the best military on the planet, right? The best technology just wasn't looking. Yeah. We like when they said that, yeah, well, we, we were tweaking our, uh, our just so we can now see them like, wait a minute, we weren't doing that before. Right. Yeah. Came in undetected. Like how on earth were we the United States of America? How are we not like tweaked in NORAD? I mean, they can find Santa Claus for crying out loud. <laughs> Track him. Yeah. But these balloons. So there was a briefing this morning um, with a handful of congressmen uh, about everything that happened. And Marco Rubio said the exact same thing that you just said. And that is that, you know, he kind of hopes or wishes that they're UFOs or or aliens because it would be way easier to figure out who the enemy is at this point. Yes. Because the the idea that these are nation states flying things over our our country uh, is a little scarier. Yeah, and here's the thing: it flew over our country three times. That we, yeah, that's that reported, we know of, that, or that's been reported, right? Yeah. So that thing has already downloaded all the information. It's yeah. Made, so. And the fact of the matter is, just so that you know, you know, the United States has four to five of these surveillance balloons above us at all times. Anyways, by default, we're doing it already to ourselves. I mean, this that's just pretty much public knowledge. And we send them to Central America and South America all the time. So it's not, this isn't new. It's just becoming mainstream to where, you know, people are paying attention. Point being, you know, I've get I've gotten a lot of texts and emails this week. Yeah. Scared, worried, fearful of everything that's happening, uh, looking for answers and questions. And so, you know, all of this does kind of tie together in the sense of some eyes are being opened <laughs> to some things that are happening across the world. And it, it, behooves us as believers to default to reading and understanding Matthew 24 and 25, as we just discussed, to know that there's that this is all part of the bigger story. And then to camp out in passages like Matthew 6, Ephesians 6, um, Philippians 4, and realizing to gain perspective and remembering and realizing the hope that we have, that we are just passing through this world, that this is not our home. That In fact, we are the aliens. Yeah, sojourners, baby. Sojourners, um, and uh, in in that we we have work to do. Yeah, we have work to do. We are to occupy, mm-hmm. um, which is what you shared. Shine your light on Sunday that we would shine our light, and you shared all the different ways that we're doing that. And it was an encouragement. It was a challenge to us. Like, okay, yeah, it's really dark out there. Mm-hmm. It is, but we are the light. We carry the light. Yeah, and that's kind of like. <sighs> You know, I feel like there's this almost 
we have to we're consolidating Christianity into different countries. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into that with different like politics and states and stuff. But it, it, we we're all. I'm appreciative to be a church that's on the offense and not the defense because what I hear a lot is that all of them are just kind of like withdrawing from the world in expectation of the end times, which is we are to be expected of the end times, but we should be moving out. Like this is life or death for people and we should be sharing the gospel. And so that's really what I was going after is like, yeah, you do see the darkness in this world. It's, it's almost, it's to the point where we can't claim it's controversial. We yeah. can't say. I appreciated you saying that. By the we, way, we can't say it's it's uh, an issue because this is what the world standard is now. But how, as people who are reflecting the light of Jesus, how are we sharing the gospel? Yeah, not just as an organization, not just as a mission organization, but even individually. Like you are, if you are a Christian, you don't have to be a pastor to share the gospel. You don't have to be. You are a conqueror. You are a royal priesthood. We are all priests in yeah. the kingdom of God. And so even though there is darkness surrounding you and whatever your context is, whoever's listening to this, like the Lord promises to be with you in those moments where you share your faith and it can be simple. Just shine your light. Yeah. That's, um, 13 years ago when we started as a church, um, we, we started with global mission and in those years, especially those early years, it wasn't exactly, um, a selling point. Uh, in middle Tennessee, it it just, we were so comfortable here, uh, that, that, you know, people now when pastors uh, will say, Hey, uh, how are you doing that mission thing? Like, wait, I feel like that could really help us grow our church. I'm like, bro, that is the 100% wrong motivation for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and especially in those years, cause I was like, you're going to have the opposite effect. And it's, I've wondered in the last few years when we have, uh, we've received, we really experienced explosive growth. And it really has perplexed me um, because I was, I forgot that the world changed. I, let me phrase that. I forgot that people woke up to the world, awakened into the world that we're actually in. And that the last three years, uh, it forced people to, in our world, to be awakened to the fact. Because the fact right now, m- the vast majority of the world today and throughout history is not shocked at darkness. Mm-mm. That's just, that's Tuesday in Pakistan. And it's, if it's the end times, it's going to be like the days of Noah. Yeah. And Noah was the only one righteous. Uh Uh-huh. And what has happened now is that we haven't changed anything we're doing here other than we've got a, you know, a building now and there's more staff and those things, but the the mission has remained the same. It's, what's happening is that I think people are awake and ready to get involved and get, get engaged because, you know, the, the idea of, uh, we can just ignore this. Uh, it's to anyone's detriment that they think that we can ignore the darkness in the world and to, you know, to capitulate to, to the darkness. Uh, It's our privilege to get to be Christ's representatives, to fight against the darkness in not just the Middle East or Africa, but even in our own. And you're right. It's not controversial and we better, I better get over that idea. Because it's not, that's, this is the Genesis 3 world. Satan is the prince of the power of the air until Christ comes uh, and literally sets his foot down and literally the government, Isaiah says, will be upon his shoulders. Literally. Until then, we are continuing to be engaged in a, in a spiritual war. And we stood at Caesarea of Philippi at the, at the base of Mount Hermon where Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church using offense language not defense he did not say the gates of uh, the, the darkness will not prevail against the gates of the church we were not called to lock ourselves behind a wall and to hide and wait for darkness to try to get us we are the exact opposite of that and to move into that and he you know he declared that in a place where uh, the the greek people worshiped a god named pan from where we get our word panic, pandemic. Like, the, the, it's just speaking of all the people. It's like the idea, uh, Douglas Murray and the madness of crowds, he didn't say it this way, but he talked about how the, the more popular an idea is, is actually the more risk it is of being a, of being a crazy idea because popularity and truth 
are not co uh, they're not synonymous with each other. And so when you see like pan uh, anything, it's the idea that everybody believes it. And if just because everybody believes it, we can now all get along with it. But you can Hitler proved one thing and that's, it. you know, a whole lot of people can believe something really, really evil. And just because everybody believed it didn't make it true. So for us, the, the ecclesia, us, we get to be uh, those that are in the world, not hiding out in it. You know, it isn't about tweeting about Sam Smith and it isn't about you know, being incensed online, or, you know, but being the truth, being in your case, Joel, I mean, you've got a front row seat. Uh, uh, if, if we paid you a million dollars a year, it wouldn't be enough for the weight. Now, wait a minute. I might have something to say about that. <laughs> Joel, I mean, I'm here for it. You, <laughs> you meet your new our youth budget, pastor, Mo team and our budget committee. <laughs> But it's like, how do you put a value on the weight That's that right. you guys carry of mm-hmm. the, the youth of this world? Like being told by every major media news outlet, by every major uh, entertainment source that the opposite of Christ is the way to live and to thrive. You know, we we have an opportunity to, this New York Times article, to be a, a an oasis for a group of kids that don't have to live in this way. They don't have to be depressed and anxious if they will just embrace what Christ, who Christ is and what he says about them and who he says they are and not who Sam Smith says mm-hmm. they are. That's good. Well, that's good. Man, Joel, thanks for jumping in uh, to, to, speak, fun. to teach good. on Sunday and to join us here today. And Darren, glad you're back. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be back in the saddle. You'll be teaching this Sunday as well as we continue chapter nine. Yeah, give us a glimpse. Where where are you headed on? Yeah, so John right uh, says that he wrote this book that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, right? That He's the Son of God. Uh, that by believing in Him, you might have eternal life. So this is a, a he wrote this, and every piece of it was a was a proof to them, uh, specifically to the Jewish people, but to the Gentiles. You know, in fact, uh, John 5, he heals a lame, Jesus heals a lame man. And in John uh, 9, he heals a blind man. And in 2 Samuel chapter 5, uh, I think it's 5 verse 8-ish, you know, uh, when David was getting ready to get into Israel, the, the enemies were saying, not even the blind and the lame, you know, you, you know, mm-hmm. I'm saying, it says even the blind and the lame can keep you from here. In other words, you're such a loser <laughs> that, that even a blind man and a lame man can defeat David in your army. And here's Jesus healing a blind man and a lame man. That's good. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, the, he was absolutely. writing this so that they might believe. And uh, and then these next four verses, or 14, uh, 13 through 34, how many that is? Uh, 20 verses, including chapter 8, is the difference between doubt and active unbelief. Like, I want to uh, yep. take a minute to say... Um, hey, this is what, you know, he's, he's writing these things so we can believe, but let's, let's recognize what it means, what, what unbelief means, because sometimes it's real scary to think, oh, I'm really questioning this and I'm wondering this. Is that a sin to even question? There's a difference between, you know, doubt. And then there's a difference between like, uh, unbelief, unbelief and the Pharisees, man, they just, it's like they play right into it, which is they, you know, active unbelief is irrational. They literally are looking at the facts and saying, like, you know, Cortez, I'm looking at the facts. I'm seeing that, you know, in Gaza, they will throw a, someone who is gay, literally throw them off a building to break their legs. Okay. She, that is a fact and act to actively ignore that. Like to, to, you know, so it's irrational. It's hostile, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, unbelief is actually based in fear, not courage. That's right. And so when you see Good. hostility with yeah. anybody and the Pharisees, man, they're being hostile to this, uh, and, and then, you know, just the, that it's a looking at a, a bias that you have and refusing to adapt to, uh, to, to the truth. To the, you know, it's, it's foolish. So it's hostile. It's irrational. It's foolish. And so I, I just want to show you. Uh, we're going to look at that. This is what the Pharisees, they literally, they, are, they get the blind man, are asking him. And then they're like, oh, we don't believe you. We've got to get your parents. Bring him back now. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, and he, they, he literally has to say for a second time, repeat himself. Like, are you not listening to me? You, you're not, you're, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and the point is, is that, uh, again, so Andy Stanley throw him to the wolves. What is it? The fifth time I've said his name. Um, you know, they were never going to, they, they didn't want to believe. So Jesus didn't change his 
story to try to make it easier to believe. Absolutely. And that is for us to know that it's not wrong to question, to say, hey, wait, 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 back up a second here. You know, is this, to, you know, so there's this the idea of, word, uh, of, of questioning and doubting towards the truth is actually a good thing. You're constructing something out of it. Doubting and questioning towards just tearing it all down. Um, that's critical theory. That's Marxism. That's the, uh, it's from the pit of hell. Uh, active unbelief. So yeah, we're going we're gonna to look at what the Pharisees and just show, again, nothing new under the sun. When you see hostility, irrationality, you know, fear around it, you're seeing what unbelief really is and, uh, and how we can, A, look at that in our own lives and say, is that where I'm at right now? Am I questioning this for truth or am I just, I just don't want to believe it and I'm going to do everything I can to not believe what is true right in front of my face. Mm. Really good, man. We're looking forward to Sunday, and uh, we're, we're also looking forward to Sunday because uh, we're adding a 5 p.m. service. If you're listening to this and yeah, you're, you're just catching up, um, we're adding a 5 p.m. service. Allow us a little more margin on Sunday. Allow you to invite your friends, um, and we're just really excited about having another option to gather. If you want more information about the teaching series or anything that's happening at Conduit Church, just visit our website, conduitchurch.com. Thank you.